Thank you, Doug Apple. This is Lowell Jackson. We call this time together fellowship, a word we want to recover from a perhaps a diluted uh, use in our American culture. Genuine fellowship is very much in the New Testament. You know those college kids that were just singing about the joy of the Lord is our strength? I believe they're trying to help us find where the strength is. And it's in the joy of the Lord. That's Nehemiah chapter 8.10. This morning I was reading uh, in an obscure book of the Bible. Uh, The reason it's obscure is my fault. It's in the Bible, so it shouldn't be obscure. But I think to most believers, it is an obscure book. It's the book of Numbers. When's the last time you read anything in the book of Numbers? When's the last time you heard a message or a lesson, anything, on the book of Numbers? I think it's generally just flipped on by. Um, And I would have uh, missed the significance of this verse I want to share with you if it had not been for a footnote in the recovery version that made it come alive for me. Um, This is in chapter 21 of Numbers, and it's talking about Jehovah speaking to Moses um, at a well. By the way, may I interrupt the scriptures here and just ask you a question? How many important conversations in the Bible happened at a well? You think that's coincidental? If we believe that God is managing all things and the Spirit is uh, managing the, uh, the scriptures for us, I'll just leave that question with you. I think you know the answer. Anyway, uh, Jehovah said to Moses at a well, gather the people together and I will give them water. Uh, And the verse goes on in 17, verse 17, Spring up, O well, sing to it. And then God's people had to do something. And again, I would have missed this if it hadn't been for the footnote in the recovery version. Uh, The people had to dig. Uh, Now, we today don't know much about wells, but most of... uh, Our ancestors had to depend on a well for their water. Um, But the water uh, coming out of that well involved uh, some effort. There was usually some digging involved. And um, this uh, particular verse talks about uh, striking the rock, as it does in Exodus. And we know that uh, from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I believe it is, Yes, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, that that's a picture of Christ, the real rock, being smitten on the cross. And what came out? You remember when he was smitten, his side was pierced? Um, probably the soldiers didn't know the significance, didn't know that this was part of God's plan. But out came blood and water. Blood, of course, is for redemption. And water symbolizes life. And it flowed out of Christ, the real rock. Um, The significance here, I believe, is that we genuine, regenerated believers, too many times we are just content with experiencing the Lord as our Savior. And we will, of course, be eternally grateful for Him being our Savior and for His blood being most adequate to solve our judicial problem with God so we experience judicial redemption. 
But he wants to be far more to us than just our Savior. It would be somewhat like the um, children of Israel crossing the Jordan and finally putting a foot on the good land, which Colossians says, by the way, is another picture of Christ. But anyway, they put a foot on the good land and they stop. What would that be like? I think too many believers, and maybe even myself, do that. We stop at just the Lord saving us out of our pitiful condition and out of Egypt, out of the world, and just think it's kind of hanging around from then on. But uh, as some have shared with us uh, these past interviews, the good land being a picture of Christ, as it says in Colossians, there is much, much more. I used to spend a lot of time in the car uh, traveling around Canada with uh, George Beverly Shea, and he would tell me how he wrote some of the songs that he would sing at the Billy Graham Crusades. And many times they would uh, start out as poems. And he told me about one that uh, somehow I, I remember this one. He said, you, you can only see a little of the ocean from the shore. But out there beyond the horizon, there's more. There's more. And I think that helps make the point I'm trying to make here, that there's much more of Christ to be experienced than just him handling our judicial redemption, which we will be eternally grateful for. Well, back to uh, Numbers, chapter 21 here, there's a digging process. The well has to be dug uh, so that the water could flow. And this, again, is a picture of the Spirit flowing to us and our need to uh, dig the well. If the well is going to spring up within us and flow freely, then you and I need to do some digging. Um, now, why do I think this is a picture? Well, again, I've got, the, I've got some great help here from the recovery version. But let me read you a verse uh, from uh, John chapter 4. The Lord Jesus, of course, who is the fulfillment of all these pictures, said, But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall by no means thirst forever, but the water that I will give him will become, and I'm going to pause to make you think a little bit, when the Lord put himself in you as living water, what did he want it to become? Well, he himself says... It will become in you a fountain. Did you know the Lord wants to become a fountain in you? This is a tiny example of what I'm trying to make the point, that there's more, there's more, there's more to what the Lord wants us to experience of him. He said that we will become in him a fountain of water springing up. Do we let the Lord spring up? Mm. Again, the digging is our responsibility, the digging of the well. There's no problem on the Lord's side. No problem on the Lord's side. If we want to drink of him, know him as a refreshing fountain within us, we need to do some digging. And so that uh, Christ as the well can spring up within our inward being. And if we were honest with one another, honest with ourselves, there's probably much dirt in our inward being that's blocking the flowing Christ who wants to give us life. And check that out in uh, 
1 Corinthians chapter 15:45 that this Christ became the life-giving spirit. Why would that title be appropriate to Christ right now? Of course he wants to give us life. But there's much uh, much uh, dirt to be dug away. We don't need to get uh, you know crazily subjective and um, uh, weird, but we do need the, to dig under the Lord's authority and with the Lord's guidance. Um, we need to uh, learn how to have the flow of the Spirit within us, within our inward being, as the Lord said, freely. The well must be dug for the water to spring up. And it's not a problem with the rock. It's not a problem with the well. Um, it's a problem with the dirt, and that is our responsibility. The Lord wants to spring up continuously, um, but is the flow freely flowing within us, or is there much dirt to be dug? Now, where's the dirt? Well, the Lord said your, your inner being, and we know if you've been listening to what we've shared about the course over at Tallahassee Christian College, this part you can't see that's very real, our soul, our mind for thinking, our will for choosing, our emotions for feeling, our uh, conscience, uh, which is part of our soul and our spirit, um, needs some attention. It needs some attention. It needs some uh, exercise. Our, let's take, for example, our conscience, which is uh, not so pure. Um, the Apostle Paul certainly was a overcoming pattern believer for us. You know what he said in Acts twenty four sixteen? I exercise. I exercise. Does that sound like it comes just like falling out of bed? Or does it take some effort, some attention, some work? He said, I exercise myself to always have a conscience that's uh, void of offense toward God and toward man. So our conscience uh, is one thing that needs attention. Uh, if we don't sense there's liberty within, maybe it's because our conscience is accusing us. And you say, well, what, what's an accusation? Well, only you and I know. Only you know what the accusations are that you're living with. Maybe we're not right with God. Maybe we're not right with others, as Paul said. Uh, and when you and I refuse to do what the Lord demands, this becomes an accusation in our conscience. This is some dirt clogging up the well. It, it binds the flow. We don't have, the flow doesn't have the freedom. Um, there's a demand of the Lord that we don't answer. Um, and it's become an immediate accusation in our conscience. So if we would experience a free, inward flowing of the Spirit, our conscience must be dealt with and purified. And, um, you know, I don't think this happens, you know, some annual revival. This needs to happen, dear brothers and sisters, many times a day. The Lord may bring something to us, and we just take care of it. Sometimes it will involve uh, other people. Uh, sometimes it's just a very, very private conversation with the Lord. Um, I'd like to go on with uh, how our heart and our, uh, our mind and our emotions, but uh, 
my, my time's about up because we've got a very important interview today that I think relates to what we're talking about. Um, but you know, the Lord is looking for purity. He, he said in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the pure. Blessed are the pure in heart. Um, I don't know about you, but my heart gets complicated. Uh, what does pure mean? It means simple. Clear. And most of the time, our heart loves, we, we, our heart loves the Lord because our heart is for loving. That's why the Lord gave us this aspect of our inner man. But let's be honest. Don't we love some other things? Don't we have a complicated heart? The Lord says we need a pure heart. So another example that uh, we need to dig away. Dig away things in our heart that are crowding out the Lord having a pure heart that loves him. Uh, surely we take care of our future, do our best, plan, but we don't love our future. We've got to be careful. Um, our heart is uh, like uh, flypaper. Do you remember flypaper with your grandmother? She kept this sticky paper around the kitchen, and when the uh, flies landed on it, they couldn't get away. Well, sometimes our heart is like that. Um, we need to dig away the dirt, dig away the things that we love from our heart. Um, it's not so easy, but we need a good conscience, as uh, the apostle said, um, before God and before man, and we need a pure heart, as the Lord said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8. Well, a lot of this uh, truth that I'm sharing with you is from a very special book. And just because I believe the Lord has you listening today on Wave 94, we're going to give you a free copy of it. Yep, that's right. If you're ready a little bit later on, I'll tell you how to get a free copy. We're also using it as a textbook in our class over at Tallahassee Christian College, which we are calling uh, Becoming a Whole Person, as Doug helps me remember. Um, but we'll get, get you a free copy of this textbook. Uh, stay tuned, pun intended, and get a way to write it down. We're, Doug Apple's going to help us take a very short break. We're going to come back with another wonderful interview with a fellow believer in this part of the country who's going to share some very good news with you and a very good opportunities. Take it away, Doug. received a recovery version for the first time my freshman year in college. Since that time, I have really enjoyed reading it, especially the outlines for each book and the cross-references. When reading these outlines for each book of the Bible, I have begun to realize that the Bible isn't a disjointed series of records, but instead it is a comprehensive unit, a complete book, and it conveys God's thought from beginning to end. Reading through these outlines and the cross-references is to me what Paul spoke of to Timothy about cutting straight the word of the truth. To receive your free copy of the recovery version, call Bibles for America at 1-888-551-0102. That number again is 1-888-551-0102. 
or you can visit the Bibles for America website at www.biblesforamerica.org. Again, that's www.biblesforamerica.org. Hi, my name is Danielle, and I'm an educational psychologist. I recently moved from Los Angeles to Tallahassee with my husband, not knowing anybody here and leaving my family in Los Angeles. But praise the Lord, I have a family here in the church. I've really enjoyed meeting in the homes with believers, like in Acts 2.46, and day by day continuing steadfastly with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they partook of their food with exaltation and simplicity of heart. If you're interested, please call 850-692-9558. Hi, my name is Penny, and one of the highlights of my week is getting together with other ladies in the Tallahassee area to pray. And if this is something you would be interested in, you're welcome to join us for prayer. It's every week here in Tallahassee. Just leave a message at 850-692-9558. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you, Doug Apple, and welcome back to our time of uh, fellowship. And uh, one of the highlights for me of this time together is being able to visit, uh, actually a much better verb, I think, is fellowship with uh, fellow believers in this part of the country who are just learning day by day to enjoy the Lord, to give themselves freshly to the Lord, and have an adventure in uh, living this uh, short human life with the Lord along with us. And uh, Today is Linda Strickland. Hi, Lowell. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me. Let me just say one quick thing, okay. Linda. Um, this morning, I didn't plan to share about, you know, dirt within. I, I, yeah. I, I really didn't. I hadn't read that verse before. <laughs> and uh, I didn't plan to have you come in today. Yes. But uh, a very important person who postponed till a few days later, who was having some physical issues. Um, so I didn't plan this topic of things we need to take care of working inside of us. And you didn't plan to be here. And I'm going to make one more point that I believe. I believe there's a listener right now that didn't plan to be listening. That's good. <laughs> That's good. So yes. our plans are not the Lord's plans. That is so true. But the Lord is a good planner. He's so faithful, isn't he's he? A, he? He's a good arranger, pulling things together. So I think this is just another beautiful example of his, his timing, his arranging, pulling things together. And what I really feel very strongly about, as I know you do, is the opportunity that's coming up uh, next week. I'm going to turn you loose in just a minute. Uh, but this is a long introduction, isn't it? But I believe that... Uh, some folks that hadn't planned to come, don't think they could get the day off, or find babysitters for the kids, whatever, need to uh, revisit or be open to uh, the decision. So if you would, I know you a few days ago gave us a bit of your life history. I think it would be good for you to share a little bit of about how this developed in your own life and leading up to what you want to happen on Wednesday. Is that good? That sounds great. Sure. 
Well, I'm leading this seminar um, next Wednesday at Tallahassee Christian College and Training Center, where I actually work as well. I'm also on the faculty there. And I have over 20 years either working in or working for healing a healing ministry. And you know, we tend to get involved in things that we experience ourselves personally. And years ago, my husband and I have been married for 45 years. That's a long time. We got married very young, right out of high school. But in our 10th year of marriage, um, just a lot of things happened. I tend to call it the perfect storm. Um, we weren't really walking close with the Lord at that time. We were both Christians. We were both believers. But life was hard at that time. And my husband was with the sheriff's department at the time, and it was just a, a hard time in our life. And his dad died unexpectedly and very suddenly. And it was almost like you've heard, um, you know, it's the final thing that breaks the camel's back. And that's sort of what happened with us. And we ended up separating. Life had been hard anyway. But at that point, it just became really, really hard. And we can look back on it and understand it better now. <laughs> You know, things are always easier to see whenever you're looking back on it. But um, we ended up being separated for five years. And I must say that those five years were some of the hardest of my life. But at the same time, as I look back on it, I can also see that the Lord was doing amazing things in both of us that actually I don't think we would let Him do it when our minds were on other things. It's sometimes you have to become vulnerable, and that you're at that place where um, you can really accept what He wants to do in your life, and that's where both of us were. And God truly ended up. Without going into the whole story, I've I've shared with women's groups before how that our whole separation story had just about everything you can think of, except a car chase and a murder, and it almost had one of those. <laughs> so, anyway. God healed us both in just amazing ways, and we did reconcile. He healed our marriage, and actually my husband went on to become an ordained minister, as, as you know. So it's really an amazing story of redemption. And along the way, God has continued to heal me in different areas of my life. And because of that, you tend to want to give back. I held on to unforgiveness for a long time, mm. and I couldn't even put my finger on it. I didn't know what to even call it. And one night the Lord met me at the altar at our church when we started going back to church. And He named it for me. And when I was able to surrender that to Him, now I do want to say this, I don't think forgiveness is an overnight thing. Um, the first thing I did was I made a decision to forgive. And that's really important to know. Healing doesn't happen overnight and automatically. Sometimes it just starts with a decision. And Linda, you're talking about mm -hmm. forgiving other people, right? Mm -hmm. in your yes, life. like mm -hmm. forgiving my husband mm -hmm. at the time after our separation. After we reconciled, things actually got harder for me. And so it was that unforgiveness that was just eating away at me. And when I finally did release it, um, what I had to do was, and this is interesting because I, it was the it had to be the Lord because I could not have thought of this on my own. The thing that I knew that I had to do at that moment to begin that process of forgiveness was that I laid on the altar that night my desire to punish Him. Mm. It was like the first step, and sometimes that's the first step mm -hmm. to really forgiving somebody, especially if they've, if it's something that you really believe has been an injustice in your life is that you have to decide, okay, I give up, surrender to God completely that need, that want to punish that person. Mm. When I did that, something did happen inside of my heart. 
And I can't tell you exactly when it happened, but it did. And then we moved on with our life. And as I said, I've had several things in my life that God has healed me of. And I didn't even know they were there. It's like this constant little stripping. You know, you hear all the time an onion has many layers. We do too. And there's a lot of things that we bury. You and I talked about that the other day. We, we bury things. And so we do have to make that trip to the cemetery sometimes when God says to, when He, when he brings that to our knowing. Because I know a lot of people who suffer, but they don't know why. They just don't know why. And there's so many reasons why. And this is one of the reasons I believe this particular seminar is so important. Because we start off with reading Isaiah 61, which is, as I said, Jesus' State of the Union address when he picked up the scrolls in Luke 4 and read from this, this passage of Scripture. Mm-hmm. When he said that, I came to set the captives free. You know, I came to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So that scripture is incredible to me because it's, as I said to you the other day, it's a little bit, it's like Jesus's job description. He said, this is what I came to do. Mm. And the really great part of that is um, what he's telling us through this and what we know now and what Jesus was telling those people in the temple that day when he picked up the scroll was, I'm paying this price. This is what I have come to do, is to pay the price, and this is how I'm going to do it. And of course, he finished that when he died on the cross. Mm-hmm. So all of the things that we're going to talk about in this seminar, those four little words that can change your life if you let them, Jesus paid it all. He truly paid it all. So we can bring to him all that ugly stuff inside of us. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we go through the seminars, we actually take these things separately and we talk about what is a crown of beauty? What are those ashes in your life? We define all of those words and a lot of the things that can happen to us as a result. You know, what are those ashes and how did those ashes come to be? You know, there's root causes, there's effects, there's all of those different things. But as we go through them, light bulbs can go off. Because many times people, as I said, don't know what it is. They just know that they're unhappy. They know that life isn't what they think it can be. There's a lot of different reasons for that. And until we know what it is and we can put our finger on it, like unforgiveness for me, mm-hmm. we, Jesus helps us put our finger on it. We can acknowledge it. And when we acknowledge it, we can acknowledge even the you know, unbecoming behaviors we may have developed because of it. We can start acknowledging all of those things and truly receive healing. So it's an amazing process, this exchange. And I love the wording that he uses in here, a crown of beauty instead of ashes. To me, that means I can't actually have both at the same time. Mm. Instead, that word instead is really an interesting word. Yes. So it's almost like I have to release to him all my ashes, all my mm-hmm. stuff, all my despair, mm-hmm. all my my maybe grief that I just can't seem to work get rid of. It's that unprocessed grief. Because mm-hmm. grief's a good thing, but it's when it's unprocessed and you just can't move through it, you can get stuck. Mm-hmm. But when I'm willing to give it to Him, then He can then bestow these beautiful things mm-hmm. that He talks about. And that's when healing can really happen. Mm-hmm. And I love what you said from that passage of Scripture that you read. Uh, um, it made me think of one of the things that I think is so important about healing. I think that Jesus truly did come to heal us, for us. He wants us to have a better life. 
But he also came to heal us because he wants us to be used in his kingdom. There's a scripture, and I think I, I was looking for it a while ago, and I couldn't put my finger on it, but I think it's in Isaiah 62, and some translations are different, but it says, you are a crown of beauty. That's what one translation says, in the hand of God. Another translation says, you are a king's crown in the hand of God, but this is my favorite. You are a weapon in the hand of God. And that's the way I see healing. Mm-hmm. Once we can really uh, receive our healing and then learn to live free. Because it's one thing to get free, it's another thing to live free. Mm-hmm. But once we can really learn to live free, we can become a weapon in the hand of God. And, and, and all this help is going to happen in one day? <laughs> <laughs> this, well, it's a good way to get started. I might started. need a, three, a three-month program like that. <laughs> I think it's an excellent way to get started. Like I said, sometimes a seminar like this will just start to open your eyes to things that you hadn't even considered before. Mm-hmm. And it really makes you think. I don't know how familiar you are with generational healing law, but I've been healed in a lot of different areas with generational in, in the generations. And there are things that are passed down to us. People can, you know, die diabetes, there's certain types of illnesses that, you know, we're just pre um, we have that predisposition to have those things mm-hmm. because our ancestors did. Mm. You know, like for instance, my you know my dad had high blood pressure. Well, my brother had high blood pressure. You know that kind of thing. Have you ever been to the doctor's office and they had you fill out that history? Yeah, I did it this morning. <laughs> okay. Well, there's a reason they want you to do that because they understand that things get passed down. But it's not only those things that get passed down from generation to generation. It can also be um, anger, like uncontrolled anger can be passed down through the generations. Um, There's so many things that can. So as we do this, we start looking at those things as well. I wasn't so sure I believed in generational healing years ago when I first learned about it. And it's interesting to me that there's two areas that I wasn't real sure about. And I was raised by a in a very Christian home by a pastor. I've told you that before. And, you know, I've learned to question things. I really have. And there's some kind of, as uh, my younger brother used to say, kind of cuckoo things out there that we don't, you know, my parents really taught us to stay away from. So when I hear something like generational healing, when I first heard that, it sounded a little new agey to me. I wasn't sure about that. Well, the Lord healed me in an area, and it could have only been Him. Um, in my life, and I'm willing to share that testimony if you want me to right now, because I think it's a really good example of that. Well, you know, <laughs> Linda, I think one of the best ways that we, members of the body of Christ, members, as the scriptures say, members one of another, get the help is by testimonies. Because yes. a testimony is somebody can say, you know, it's, it's real. It happened in my life, that's my right. experience. I saw it. That's that's why in the courtroom, an eyewitness testimony is more valuable than an expert witness that's right. or somebody's opinion or a vote of the crowd or whatever. It's uh, it's what I saw, I experienced, mm-hmm. and uh, testimony is very powerful. When so was, please, share. Well, when I was a teenager and I was going through a hard time, you know we all do as teenagers. We have our mm-hmm. little rebellious times or whatever. Um, my aunt asked my mother one day, when I was going through a particularly hard time, she said, well, how's Linda doing? And my mother said, well, she's working on her testimony. <laughs> <laughs> it's unfolding. It's developing. unfolding right before my eyes. Well, I was actually, um, I worked for Healing Ministry in Jacksonville, as I told you, for 10 years. And 
when I before I started working there, I actually went there to school to learn how to minister to other people, to learn how to pray for healing prayer for people. And um, one of the exercises we did was this whole thing about generational healing. And we took turns in the practicum sessions to pray for one another. And wouldn't you know, that was the day that I got chosen as the person or the victim <laughs> to be prayed for. And something bubbled up in me as they began praying for me in this area. And I couldn't figure it out, but I became anxious. Um, it was an interesting feeling that I was having. I knew something was there, and I had no idea. So I went home that night with the encouragement of my team that I was on. And I called my mom, and I asked her about it. And I said, Mom, we got to this certain place in the generational healing talk. And, it, and this is what really scared me, because it was talking about... Um, demons and the occult and you know we don't have that kind of stuff in my family we all have all preachers and missionaries you know what I'm saying <laughs> so it's like I thought this just cannot be and it was this um, it, that was what it was hooking to it was a that when they were praying for me the prayer ministers were feeling this like almost seducing spirit kind of thing within me and I, it just offended me I have to tell you that it did and I went home and I called my mom and I asked her about it and she said, well, I guess I really should tell you. And, well, my heart just about stopped because, you know, I'm like, in, I'm like 50 years old and I'm just hearing this. <laughs> she begins to tell me that my father's mother was a white witch, had been a white witch. My, my father's, I'm sorry, let me say that again. My father's grandmother had been a white witch, which would be my great-grandmother. And she said... But everybody in the town knew that she used her powers for good, but we also know that the power didn't come from God. She was a white witch. Just to give you an example, somebody would come and say, my baby's sick. She would have them bring the baby bottle. She would do something with it, and the baby would get well. You know, it was that kind of thing. She was like the local white witch. Is that what you call a witch doctor? No, I'm just... <laughs> I, I don't know, but I... <laughs> you know, she didn't do mean and nasty things. She did things that were good, but it... But really and truly, it was not, you mm -hmm. know, it did not come from the Lord. Mm -hmm. So anyway, as we, and, and as she was telling me that story, I started remembering things. And I grew up in Daytona Beach. And if anybody is familiar with that area, right outside of Daytona Beach, it's a town called Casadega. And it is very much all New Age and a lot of witchcraft and a lot of the, the entire town. And my aunt used to take all of us down to um, to Mocha Park to go swimming during the summers, and we would go right through Casadega. And I was very drawn to those fortune tellers, you know, those women with crystal balls that were on the side of the road with the cards. I was very drawn to them, but at the same time, I was fearful because I was raised in a home that said, do not touch that stuff. And I didn't, because I was afraid of it. And I'm really glad I was raised that way. Otherwise, I probably would have, because I was so drawn to it. And as a matter of fact, even through my adult life, there would be times that I was very drawn. I have never acted on it, but I've always been drawn to it. And it was like a light bulb went off in my head. And I thought, oh my, this explains a lot. And and to, on top of that, um, God has gifted me. I actually have some real spiritual gifting in that area of discernment, being able to, um, you know, really hear from Him and just a little above what 
most of my friends say that they have, and I've always wondered about that, but this also explained a lot of things. So as I went back to the school the next day and I told the team that I was on, what had happened, they began to pray for me and pray for release from this, and um, we did. And I want you to know that it was an instantaneous, overnight, I never have been drawn to it again. It was like I was completely cut through. And here's the way we prayed about it. We said, Lord, would you place your cross between Linda's past generations and her? Would you place your cross there? Do not let anything come forward that is not of you. And cutting me free from all of anything that had to do with that, it was immediate. As I said, I've, I've been drawn to it when I see it in movies, just anywhere. I'm always fascinated and drawn to it, but never again mm. since that day. That was a very strong healing that I mm-hmm. received. And, you know, there's a lot of things, um, as I said, that can be generational. Um, it's, it's remarkable to me. There's and, and during this particular seminar, we talk about those things. And as a matter of fact, we even take the opportunity to fill out a family tree. The first time I ever did that, because um, I will have the, let me say this first, um, but the first time I ever did that, I was shocked to see things that were, that I could actually just see, I could draw a line, such as depression on this side of my family, or suicide on that side of my family. You know, things that have come down through the lines that my husband and I have completely given to the Lord, and we don't want our son to carry that, we don't want his children to carry that. So, we... You and me, whether you know it or not, we can affect the ne- next hundred years of our family line. That's very scriptural. Uh, where Jesus, you know, he says, you, you know, to, you pass things, these things like the bitter root judgment, I think is the scripture I'm thinking of right now. Be careful that you don't let that root of bitterness come up because it can affect your children and your children's children. So it can affect those three generations, which is like a hundred years. That is um, really reason to want to examine our family tree, mm-hmm. because the thought of me affecting my my grandchildren, my great grandchildren, as a result of things that I've allowed to come through me, I want it to stop here. I want it to stop now. Mm-hmm. I want to say no more. You know, I think you're bringing us, Linda, to a view of the cross that uh, is much more expansive. I was trying to touch this a little bit with the illustration of the ocean and other things. But, uh, you know, we believers have a very limited view, I think, sometimes of the cross, that it was just to deal with my sins, you know, my mistakes, whatever, get forgiveness. Um, But, you know, the Scripture says, I believe it's in Ephesians, that we were crucified with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And crucifixion is termination. It's over. Mm-hmm. It's done. It's done. Death. And, uh, you know, you're buried with Christ, I think Paul says in baptism, so that uh, newness can come forth, new, yes. new life. We can, we're, and the scripture says also we were raised with Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to get in much of your time here, but. Uh, you know, it says in um, Isaiah 53, by his stripes, mm-hmm. we're healed. Mm-hmm. So there was much more that, that went on at the cross in the Lord terminating the old creation, terminating the old me, uh, terminating everything that's old. 
so that newness can come forth. That's right. And um, uh, salvation is uh, so much more than just forgiveness. We appreciate the forgiveness. It's even much more than regeneration. You know, regeneration is a birth. That's right. But just like a human birth... It's, it's not where you stop. It's where you start. That's right. That's right. So I appreciate what you're saying that, you know, something, we, this stuff, the cross takes care of it. Absolutely. It's, it's a stake in That's the ground. Right. That's it right. Says nothing can go further. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Isn't that great news? That is great, great news. I think great that's why news. the gospel is called good news. I think so. <laughs> I think it is. It really and truly is. Oh. <laughs> Well, you know, there's well, also, I, hope, I don't want to interrupt no, your flow, okay. but I also, if somebody's pushed for time, I mm-hmm. want us to keep reminding them that they can enter into this they experience can. Wednesday. It's next Wednesday, October 23rd at Tallahassee Christian College and Training Center. We're on Hermitage Boulevard. Go to tcctc.org, and if you just... Um, Hit the little button on top in the menu that says Courses and Seminars. It probably will be the first one that pops up since it's the next one that we're doing. And it's one day? How one long? day. It's from 9.30 in the morning till 4.30 in the afternoon. And you can come and just stay the day. We're going to provide lunch for you. Um, Tallahassee Christian Training, I'm sorry, Tallahassee Christian College and Training Center is such a just such really... Such a long name. It's no. a long name. It is. And, and we fumble it a lot. But, you know, it's just such a, a relaxing place. It's a, it's a family place. It really is comfortable. So if anybody has any kind of, um, you know, trepidation about coming to a college, please know that this is a very, very comfortable. Every Everyone is welcome. We have all ages, all races, all cultures, all everything, all kinds of academic backgrounds. It does not matter. And this particular seminar is is one more that we call for, like for for personal growth. Mm-hmm. It's one that you know I just I know I know a lot, but I would really love to know more and especially about things that I'm not real familiar with, like maybe he, the healing ministry. And many people will come to this last year, I no, it was 2 years ago that I presented this here. Um, we had several people in the room that came because they are the ones at their church that they pray with other people. So they wanted to better understand these things. They've been healed of a lot of things in their life, but they really wanted to know, how can I be a better prayer minister in my church? And so by taking this, they were able to you know, just gain a, a different um, slant on it, so to speak, just mm-hmm. more teaching, because we really pull it apart. And we go to places that you typically don't get in just sermons or Sunday school teachings, that kind of thing. We really, mm-hmm. we dive deep. So just one day? One day. Just one day? One day. A little tuition probably involved? It, there is a little tuition involved. It's $59, but for right now, we have a very generous donor who has offered to scholarship people um, to pay half of that tuition. So if you will call 513-1000 or go to tcctc.org and tell them that you heard it on the radio, you will get half tuition. What else can we do? What else can we do? I know. <laughs> They've got our listeners have time. Yes. We hope that uh, we've encouraged them that hey, you know, mm-hmm. we we just don't want to, you know, Paul used the description of our Christian life as a race. Mm-hmm. Um it's no fun to uh, run a race with a backpack of rocks. Mm. It is not. That's hard to sprint. That is if you've correct. got a backpack of rocks, but many times we're trying to do that. Um, 
and it's just because we're carrying the baggage, you know, from things gone mm-hmm. by. Um, like Paul said, we haven't exercised to right. have a clear conscience That's before right. God and man. Um, I've got to take care of something in a few hours mm-hmm. where I need to tell a believer, right. I'm sorry, I need your forgiveness because right. it's been bothering me. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's good to be clear, you know, it clear is. clear sky between uh, us us and the Lord. So important. And, um, I th- you know, Paul gives us another helpful, practical piece of advice in, in the Philippians. He certainly was not in a happy spot. Pretty bad news jail, I would think. Not, it wasn't exactly the Marriott, right? And he wasn't being treated with respect and uh, getting room service. Unhappy situation, uh, but yet he wrote a book about uh, not being not happiness, which is situational, mm-hmm. but about joy, right? Uh, and the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. But you you reminded me of another thing he says in Philippians when he says forgetting. One of the big things we need to do to go on in a joyful way is forgetting. Forgetting the things which are behind. Mm. So often we want to look at the rearview mirror instead of the windshield. Sure. But Paul says, forgetting the things which are behind, we press on mm. you know, toward the mark sure. of the high calling mm-hmm. we have in, right. in Christ. Which is why all the process is so important, because I don't think you can get to that place. Like, for instance, I've never forgotten what I went through in my marriage, um, but I can remember now without having the pain and all those things that are so, that were associated with it. Because that what, that's what happens when we're deeply wounded, is that even though we can, for instance, if you, you know, had like this big old piece of wood that went through your hand, once the doctor removed the wood, you're still left with something, which is a wound. Mm-hmm. And that wound needs to be tended. And that's it needs to heal. And this is the same thing with, um, with what we're talking about today. Forgetting is going to be a process, if you mm-hmm. can ever get to that place. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, forgetting for me is not a, a 100% not being able to remember it. Right. But it's one of the, I don't think about it every day. I, it's mm-hmm. not in front of me, my face every day. Right. It's one of those things that were my was my, an experience of mine that God healed and actually has used. My husband and I talk about this all the time. Had we not gone through that, I doubt we would be in ministry today. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's amazing as you look back and you see mm-hmm. how God redeems things, and mm-hmm. um, it's truly amazing. But one of the things I also wanted to say that we addressed during this seminar are things that sometimes are beyond our control. You know, for instance, um, a big root, and you know that's one of the really important things that that we have to go through that process is to find the root, the root of whatever is bothering us. Like, for instance, unforgiveness for me. But when people have suffered trauma in their lives, and it can be that trauma that is overt, like, for instance, you know, abuse, um, where violence has been, you know, done to a person, that kind of thing, it can be really tough. Mm-hmm. But there's another kind of trauma that's equally as tough that we don't always think about, and that's what we call the covert trauma. And that's whenever it's more hidden and concealed. It's 
more like whenever our basic needs as a child were withheld from us. We didn't get the love we needed. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't we didn't get that belonging feeling or that acceptance. And it can be very traumatic for us. You know, that that other trauma I was talking about, it's more like a bullet when you shoot it out of a gun and it goes into you. The, other, the trauma that I was just talking about is more, like I said, secret and underground. It's more like malnutrition. Mm-hmm. It's a slow burning under the surface that you're not seeing. Mm-hmm. But the result is the same with both. Mm-hmm. So we have to pay attention to those things and see, is there, is there any possibility that that trauma I experienced whenever um, is affecting my life today? You know, we know for a fact, psychology will tell you that, that trauma really affects our being able to grow spiritually and just grow up emotionally. Have you ever had somebody in your life that you think, man, they're acting just like a six-year-old, like every time something would happen, they would get mad? We need to consider the possibility that maybe when they were six years old, something happened, and they've been able, they've not been able to mature mm-hmm. the way that they need to. I heard a saying a long time ago that really, really helped me in this area, and, it, and this is what it says, if you heal the boy, the man will appear. Mm-hmm. So many times we have to go back to that little boy and see what happened, and then the man can come forth. Mm-hmm. You know, the uh, reference you made um, about uh, growing up, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I wish I could remember where the verse is. I just read it a few weeks ago, uh, but uh, we need to grow up into Christ. Mm-hmm. And the, the the Lord really wants us to grow. Right. I think we um, we believers don't realize that there's a process the Lord wants to take us through. He wants to give us the nourishment we need to grow, and the experiences we need. Um, and uh, you know the um, the difference I've, I've shared with believers before is that if you've got a problem with the Lord, and you confess it and apply His finished work, His precious blood to it, it's taken care of. God actually forgets it. You know, as you say, we humans have a problem with it. Right. But somehow, in a way that I don't understand, God has some kind of divine amnesia. Mm-hmm. It's finished, it's done, it's covered, it's over, done. If that comes back to haunt you, then I believe it's the enemy trying to bother us, haunt us. A hundred percent, yes. And we need to point him, mm-hmm. like you said, to the stake in the ground. That's right. The cross. Point him to it. That's right. I've often encouraged... Put him in his place. I've often encouraged people that whenever they've gone through a major healing of some kind, mm-hmm. that they write it down, like in the back of their Bible, the date, you know, like... God released me from forgive, from unforgiveness today and put the date there because I can guarantee you your enemy is going to come back and mm-hmm. tap you on the shoulder and try to remind you of that right. and make you doubt that that actually happened. And mm-hmm. I always tell people, have a tangible thing that you can go back to and say, no, right. I know he did. And here's the date he did it. I wrote it down right here because... You know, Satan knows our bait. He knows exactly our bait. He knows exactly what it is that we will do. And I'm so guilty of taking the bait, and it makes me so mad when I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but but we can get better at that, too. And that's the thing I want to tell people, that if you do want to come to the seminar, you're not just going to hear what the possibilities are of maybe what are some of the roots and some of the effects that um, have you where you are in your life right now, but we're also going to talk about what do you do. Mm-hmm. 
And not only that, but how do you stay there and grow from there? It's really, really important. I've, I've heard people say, I think I lost my healing. Well, there's a good reason for that if that did happen. So we want to go through that and make sure that does not happen because um, I'm a, I'm a person who really believes in, in the process and also of being intentional mm-hmm. in your living into that healing. As I said, you know, like the Israelites, getting free was easy. They wanted to get free. They just didn't know how to live free yet. Mm-hmm. You know, they were still had that slave mentality mm-hmm. um, in, in their minds. And um, it's really important that we learn how to live free. So we also want to help in that area as well. So you're giving a chance of one. That's Wednesday, right? <laughs> For this particular <laughs> seminar, yes. But sometimes I think it's the beginning. You know, I always tell people, if you if you believe that God is really doing a work in you right now, um, chances are you need to go, and I've, I've done this myself, go find somebody who loves you and ask them to pray with you and to, and to, and to keep praying with you. Mm-hmm. Until this is this is a completed thing, it is not overnight. It is not right. This this seminar is really meant. It's more inf- it's informational, but I believe that it's transformational as well. Because as I said, we want to destroy the lies of the evil one, mm-hmm. and we want to speak only the truth of God's word. And um, it is super strong. That two edged sword that it talks about. It the truth of God's word. Um, can cut through anything. I was praying with a man one time up in Washington, D.C., and he had done so many things that had hurt his family. Um, he had gambled away their family savings. Hmm. He, there was a lot of things he had done, and he was absolutely beside himself. He had, you know, he'd finally come to the place where he could see that he was the one that was responsible for it. And he had been very, very bitter, very hard to live with. And as we were praying, part of that scripture came to to him about that bitter root judgment, because he was very, very judgmental of other people, and his life was just a mess. But God was just downloading his word into that man's soul. And all of a sudden, he stood up and he just cried with his hands held high. He said, God, take an axe if you have to. I want every bit of it gone. And I just loved that because he was like, here I am. He was finally to that point of the point that all of us have to get to, of complete surrender. And like, you know, I don't even care what happens to me anymore. Just get rid of it because mm-hmm. I'm hurting the people I love. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a great quote by Richard Rohr. He's a Catholic priest, but he says, pain that is not transformed by God will be transmitted and the pain that we carry from our wounds and our life, it just it, it eats away at us. And usually what happens is we end up transmitting it onto the people that we love in our lives, not the person that maybe we want to give that pain to, like somebody who we're angry at or, or whatever. It's always to those, those people who suffer are, those, are our families. I've watched myself before, like saying or doing something, and I... I can't stop myself. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever experienced that before, mm-hmm. but it's like, that's not the person I want to be. Right. But somehow you just can't stop yourself. And there's a root to that. And once you find out what that is, you know, with God's help, with a seminar like this one that can sometimes just bring mm-hmm. it to your attention, um, it can stop. And you, between you and the Lord, it's one of those beautiful um, 
duets. You know, you and the Holy Spirit right. are, you know, just a force yes. to be reckoned with. And so I just believe in this with all my heart. And none of us are able to do it on our own. It's, mm-hmm. it's using the Holy Spirit's help. This is why He's here. Mm -hmm. Jesus told us that whenever He said, He's going to come. He's going to be here. You know, back in the Old Testament, the Spirit came, but He never dwelled here. He just just visited here. But when Jesus went to heaven, the Spirit came and He now dwells here. And I think we forget that. He's right here with us. He's our comforter. He's our advisor. He's our advocate. He's all of those things, and all we have to do is ask. Amen. And He will help. Amen. So none of this is by our own power. It's the Holy Spirit helping us every step of the way. So I think your colleagues are there for about three more minutes. Okay. And if they want to sign up yes. for Wednesday to spend the day with you on this wonderful, ask for Belinda. She'll be happy to register. Wonderful digging you. away yes. of the dirt so the water can flow. Yes. Uh, give the number, please. Absolutely. Five one three one thousand. Five one three one thousand. In the name of your Wednesday workshop is the Sacred Exchange. The Sacred Exchange. Wonderful. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Law. I want to close with a couple of quick points from one of the textbooks we're using in the class that I'm involved in, called "Becoming a Whole Person." And I'm going to tell you how to get your own copy of the textbook uh, free. I don't think it gets much better than some of these offers we're making today. Uh, but the textbook that we're one of the textbooks we're using in this class is called "The Economy of God." It has nothing to do with finances. Nothing to do with money. Uh, it comes from a, uh, f- advice from Paul to Timothy, and he says, don't teach anything except the economia of God, which is the way God operates, the way God is working with us throughout history and uh, even right now. And um, it, one of the points in, this, um, in the economy of God is that we need to take care of the dirt, so the living water can flow. The Lord wants to become in us a fountain. And uh, what we need to do is spend some private, intimate, personal time with Him, maybe multiple times a day, and say, Lord, Your presence, Your smile is most important. It's more important than my job, my future, anything. I want Your presence. And ask Him to bring you light. And he will shine on these things that we've been talking about. He will shine on the dirt. And the more we take care of the dirt, the more the living water can flow. And the more we can enjoy the fellowship of the life flowing within us. All of a sudden, the problems are going to seem more and more insignificant. And sometimes, as Linda said, we need to pray with another believer, a confidant. Uh, to uh, get their prayers involved. Um, But I want to stress the privacy of uh, dealing with uh, the Lord. If you want a copy of that book, go to biblesforamerica.org and ask for a copy of The Economy of God.